And we're back for round two with uh, Phil Mendoza from uh, Alpha Bow Hunting and uh, No Limits Archery. We've got Frank the Tank Peralta to my left, also known as the Cougar Hunter, Tort Life, and the lover of all spam. <laughs> Thank you. Did I nail it? I think so. He also hunts coyotes too. Hey, Frank, is there anything better than spam cooked on a rock, man? Dude, at least Phil knows. You guys are Mexican, you, though. You know, Come on. You, you and Isaac know. I don't think everyone else knows. <laughs> Fried spam. I got a it's big, good for you. I got a big Samoan buddy. He eats spam like crazy. I guess that's a Samoan it's thing. It's a prerequisite. Like Hawaiian. Man. Oh, man, I tell you what, he could play rugby. <laughs> <laughs> spam and rugby. Oh, Lord. Uh, so we we uh, we knocked out one uh, earlier this morning. Kind of covered everything Phil's got going on with uh, the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge, a series of different, um, uh, I guess you could say, more informational uh, archery uh, videos that he's doing, as well as a bunch of other stuff. And I uh, talked about a lot of technical archery stuff in general, what people face, but we didn't really get a chance to shoot the shit about hunting trips, gear, maybe different things we've seen change in trends over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years in archery, uh, things like that. So we're going to we're gonna try and knock that out, make this a little bit entertaining. Um, the one thing I would like to mention is this is not soundproofing on the wall. This is for Frank and I when we've had a bad day. We put a helmet on, and then uh, there's kind of like a, you know, when you, you go to the fair and there's that big hammer, you swing it down, tells you, okay, so we have that on the back side of this. So Frank and I T-bone it full speed to see who can get the most uh, highest PSI per head inch. <laughs> Frank's winning right now. He pulled some kind of a trick move on me the other day. He got like 192, but he, he pissed his pants when the microwave come on that <laughs> night, so I'm not sure you know, if that's good or bad. How are you doing, Frank? If, if peeing your pants is cool, call me fucking wild. <laughs> 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 oh lord so that's how this podcast is gonna go so phil and i actually have only hunted together though well and scouted the one time when you drew your sheep tag and uh what it had been hunting in that area for quite a while off and on and um a buddy of ours actually Derek o'driscoll who just had a kid i haven't talked to him in a while Derek drew it the year before and i went to the uh northwest territories for a couple months you drew it the next year and I remember when you drew it or you were talking about drawing it, I had said it was varsity, basically. Like, I think I said horrible several times. Did it live up to what you, what I had, did I depict it very well? Did I explain it? hundred percent, man. It was, uh, it, it's hard to explain that kind of country until you're in it. And even looking at pictures, it's, it's hard to grasp the, just the, a grassy uh, the patch. severity of it. Yeah, it's just a little green grassy <laughs> patch, man. There was there was one time on that trip that I remember. I mean, you know, we're loaded what forty five pounds or so, fifty pounds on on the trip, and 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 I've got my bow in my hand, and uh, we're going around the, this rim of this this peak, and and there's literally like about a eight foot grass, six foot grass patch that, that wraps around, and you got like a two hundred foot cliff, and I've got my bow in my hand, and Braden's walking in front, and then I'm walking, and I'm kind of you know I can put my hand out and I can touch the the side of the hill. <laughs> so I'm walking and Aaron's behind me. He goes, Hey man, you afraid of heights? <laughs> and I said, look, man, I said, I'm good. Right. But I've got an eight pound boat anchor. I counterbalanced me the wrong way. Just let me get around this edge real quick here. You know, <laughs> I mean, I took a photo of that actually. Yeah. I remember. And he's like, Oh man, we're good. We're good. You know, cause there was several times on that trip where, where we would go down a, a slide or we would go up an area and, and Aaron would just look around and look at us. 
and just kind of shake his head up and down like, yeah, somebody, somebody could have died there. <laughs> yeah, it was intense. I mean, it's a fun um, area. I shot a raghorn in there once. We packed a cow out of there once. Uh, yeah, it wasn't good. Um, I wouldn't do it again, and that says something if I won't shoot an elk in an area. But, yeah, that was a good uh, – that was a good trip. It, um, it it ended up it ended fast on the second go around. We went in there once and then came back in a second time. And uh, I may have slightly overcalculated the contour lines with my navigational skills. What happened is, uh, well, we found that we went in at like maybe I don't know a couple three miles on the trail, and then we took off and bushwhacked it. And that sucked, man. That was about steeper in the back of Christ's head. It was steep, steep. And we ran into, we found a seep or a mm-hmm. spring, which happened to be the only water we found all day. That was it. Of course, I only filled up one analogy, and I think you did the same. And then I had this idea as I would side hill us into this basin to the end of it, and we got cliffed out. That's when I screwed up my elbow uh, when I fell. And then um, I remember we went down. There was all kinds of, remember those big-ass crazy mushrooms yeah. in those trees? We slept that night. I don't know what you sprinkled fairy dust in your skirt because you were a brand new man in the morning. You're filling up your water. Let's go. I'm like, holy shit, what happened to him? And uh, charged up the hill and then you killed the killed that ram by three o'clock in the afternoon, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, it was, we hiked up that morning to a vantage point, glassed, and then we kind of moved around you know, another half a mile or a mile along the ridgeline and found a spot to, we set up camp. You know, we're like, let's just, I mean, it was not very much of a, a comfortable campsite because, uh, you know, I, I had to sleep on, on a hill essentially, but we set up camp and then we went to another vantage point and you, you, we, I sat down and you literally, what you like, you said, I'm going to go look about 200 yards down the ridge or whatever it was. I'm going to go look over both sides. And you didn't get halfway to that point, And I looked and I'm glassing and I spotted what looked like, you know, a, a half curl, like a banana head. And, you know, I, I, I could have swore that shape. I I knew what I saw and I just kept looking and kept looking. And when you come back, I said, there's, there's something right there. I saw something there. And sure enough, like what, maybe 10, 15 minutes later, they they had moved up the hill a little bit and and the stock was on, man. It was like, it it wasn't even a calculated (laughs) coming from here. It was just like, they're there. I think I can side hill and get in front. And then I just kind of, you know, just. Well, this may have been one of the first times in the history of all Aaron kind where I said, Let's just wait and see what we see. And you're like, I'm going. I'm like, all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking, I, me- I think anyway, I remember thinking there's probably more rams in there and yep. they'll eventually, as it turns out, it's probably good we didn't wait because where they were was a perfect, when we, I didn't know where they were, but where you, and it was crazy for me because I was in the spotter and it always looks different and you got pinned down and. I'm watching this through the spotter and it went to sleep. You waited long enough and it just went to sleep. And then you shot up like Tarzan straight up a cliff. And at that point, like I'm texting, like I'm doing a live hunt, letting people know. And I'm thinking if there's a ram in there, it's got to die. Cause there's, there's just looking at the tactical advantage. You're coming in straight above it. And if that one went to sleep, that had to be the only one alerted. It was cool to watch in the spotter. Yeah. It it was fun, man, but it was just, yeah, next level stuff, even from what I had done, because, you know, at up till that point, you know, the, the, the pronghorn hunting and the elk and the mule deer and, and some mule deer hunts got close. I mean, you know, mule deer hunting sometimes is, is a comparison, but not, it's still not there. Um, There's usually more of them as part of it too. Yeah. And it was, but from a standpoint of just 
evolving within the situation, it, it was it was cool because it was something I hadn't really done a lot of in that was specifically with sheep. But this last year, I got to go hunt sheep with my dad, man. He drew his tag finally and got to go on that hunt. So it was a little different with, with my old man, but um, it was still a fun experience once you get into those rams. It was cool. We about got hit by lightning. We got rained on for three days. Um, the sheep almost got hit by lightning. They totally screwed up the one stock because they ran back down the hill. I got pinned down. Is and I was shaking like a cat shitting razor blades when you were trying to kill those. I was in that bowl just laying there, and I got so freaking cold when that storm came in. Lord, it was bad. Ah oh, man. And then uh, and Braden was there on the first trip. Um, he was there on a scouting trip. Did he get bit by a dog? He had rabies. He was shooting himself with uh, what the hell did he have? No, it was a blood some blood thinner that he was having to. I don't know if he's got some condition that he has to. Do some blood thinners or something regularly. Yeah, he was. I saw he was. He had to give himself an injection in his stomach, which yeah, I was to the stomach, kind of like ah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you, we got that. That was just you and me, and then we packed it. Yeah, it's hard. To, you can't ever explain in words what pain and grief you're going through coming out. Um, but we had to go back and get all our shit, and then get the ram that we had to hang in cliffs because uh, the marmots were eating everything, and then uh, go down that big draw um and then uh i remember thinking when we got to the bottom we told some stories which cannot be repeated uh <laughs> when we got to the bottom there were some good ones and uh we got it was hot man yeah. remember how on that because we went from thirteen thousand to like 7800 is that yeah. right yeah 7800 at the truck and uh we're like well we'll side hill is what we figured out i think to get back to the truck because we had to hike back and, and find our stuff so I remember getting to that creek and uh, or that river, and uh, were you ahead of me or was I ahead of you? No, we split trails because at that point we were getting close to the truck. You mean? Yeah, and we couldn't figure out exactly where it was. Yeah, you went up up the hill one way, and I think I just started kind of side hilling, and then we ended up meeting up. But I remember I just walked across the river and didn't think twice about it because I was about to die. Um, my feet were hurting, hurting. I don't know what we had for weight. It was a lot because. We had the cape, the head, the meat, and all our gear uh, coming down. But that hunt, it's been talked about before. I think what we should talk about is the hunt you and Braden did because it sounded like it was worse than what we did. Well, I, I think from a standpoint of similar country, right? I mean, it was it was along the same mountain range, but it wasn't in this exact area. But we hiked into that, you know, that, that, that area is just steep. I mean, when you talk about... The country we're Mordor. In. Oh, it's it's just it's unreal, man. I mean, you you look at where you need to get to. It'll make a grown man cry. Oh, and it, it's <laughs> I tell you what. So the first we hiked in the day before we went up, scouted a couple spots, glassed a couple spots, went the next morning. Then we got up to vantage point and we hunted that first day. And we bumped a couple other. We run into a couple other hunters of which it's like, man, what the heck are all these people doing up here? You know. And one of the guys just flat out said, he's like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Um, I just heard about this spot and, and I'm here. And he says, I didn't see nothing in that basin. I'm like, look, buddy, I was a mile and a half away and I can see deer in that basin. So I said, you're here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump on your spot, but I'd like to look, you know, he's like, yeah, no problem. So anyway, we ran into hunters and hunters and we ended up getting in front of some deer and, and almost having a shot opportunity. Braden actually had a, a giant boulder that was, I don't know how, I mean, he, he got cliffed out essentially as he was trying to make this stock and these deer were coming to us and he wasn't 25 yards, 30 yards away from those deer, but there was a giant boulder in between him. Well, I'm down this little hog back watching everything and it got to where 
the first deer poked his head out and he was 47 yards. And I'm looking kind of up the hill at the deer and I'm looking at Braden and I see Braden can't get around. And he can't, he's, he's froze. Well, then there was a big deer in there. You know, the big buck was second line and, and I, that first deer gave me frontal shot, you know, yeah. perfect, just perfect frontal shot. And, and I said, if that second deer, which is the big one that we were looking at, <laughs> takes two more steps forward, he might eat an arrow. And, and they didn't. They just, you know, that they just end up, end up going right back the direction they came. But long story short, the third day the, the, when we were in there is when we got into the stock. Braden made a hell of a good stock, man. I mean, I, I got that sucker on video, and I still like watching it just to see him skyline and make that stock in on those deer. But what was the killer portion of that was after he shot that deer. So we gutted him out. And, uh, we, you know, we split the weight, got everything ready. And it's, I just told him, I said, let's hike down the, the, this hill, this ridge and hit the trailhead and hike the trailhead all the way back up to the base until camp. It's going to be a long hike, but we start going down. We went about a half a mile down and we said, you know what? It starts to look real steep. Let's drop our packs and go look. 150 foot cliffs all on the bottom. <laughs> and I told, I mean, th- this is where your mind goes when you're hunting, right? I said, you know, I think we got enough rope. We can rope our packs down and we can probably climb around one of these areas. And Braden says, no, nah, man, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, I said, yeah, you're right. That's probably a stupid idea. So we start hiking back and here comes that rainstorm, you know, and when you're up that high with rain and lightning and, and then all of a sudden it, it's, we hiked through it for an hour and a half, two hours up and down, up and down these draws. And, and then it got to the point where it turned into snow and idiot move, right? I, you know, we got to the point where we hung the meat up and I was like, I'm just going to put my rain jacket on, forget the pants. I'm just, we're going to, you know, it's already dark, start hiking back to camp. It, we got socked in so much that we couldn't see 10 feet in front of us Yeah, it, and we couldn't find our camp. Oh, damn. I mean, so it's dark. So we get to the point where we're like, where the hell is the camp at? It's in the, the corner of this basin. It shouldn't be that hard to find. Well, we didn't know where we were in this basin. And we had to wait for the lightning to light up the skyline so we can move. Yeah. So it took us about two hours longer, two and a half hours longer to get to camp that night. And then by the morning time, I mean, there was eight inches of snow on the ground and we were just, I mean, soaked. Boots were soaked. Pants were soaked because I didn't put pant, rain pants on. And Give a people idea what time of year was this? Because I, I try to stress how shit can go downhill early. Weekend. So end of August. It was like August 27th, 28th, right? And it was, there was, I ain't kidding you, it was eight inches of snow on the ground. We were having to, I mean, we were using Hilleberg's that trip, both of us. And we both had the NIACs. And, and they've been a great tent, but... It was pushing the limits of the capacity what that sucker was able to hold yeah. from a from a weight standpoint because Braden got up once and I heard him shaking stuff off. He come walk over to my tent and shake shook the snow off. I was exhausted, and and then I, after that once I kind of realized the snow load on the on the tents. Well, then at, you know every thirty minutes you're having to shake the snow off the tent. Yeah, but I tell you what, man, we get up that next morning and we just took our time. We ha- we ate food and and. And Braden's like, uh, we still got one more tag. You got your tag, man. I said, let's get this deer <laughs> off the mountain and we'll regroup because this. He's like the little engine that could. Well, and I tell you what, by the time we got to the truck, uh, we were both glad to get off that mountain. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it's it's rough, man. I mean, it's it's rough country. It's got to be one of the harder places in Colorado to hunt. And I've hunted all over everywhere. It, it is the hardest, in my opinion. Um and when I say the hardest, not distance, right. it's, it's elevation gained and lost is what kills you. And 
and the potential of dying. I mean, the, the, the cliffs I've been stuck on and that and the different trips I've been down is, I hate to even think about it, but the what I try to stress with this kind of stuff is, is there's lots of podcasts out there and there's some podcasts you'll listen to that potentially not because they mean to, maybe because the area they hunt or the style they hunt in may be giving you some advice. You fuck around with that advice in this area, you'll die. If you won't die, you're going to be in trouble. And I, and when I, I'm not trying to over-exaggerate it, but you don't bring a headlamp, you don't bring rain gear, you don't bring the right shelter, you don't bring the right knowledge base, you can get yourself in trouble real quick uh, because it physically there's going to be spots because you think, well, I'll just walk out. What if you're cliffed out? What if you can't get out? What if you can't see to get out and you got to stay? I mean, there's, and at 13,000 feet or 12, it is a whole different dynamic to, to gear, to physical ability. Um, and I've gone through, I can make it through just about anything. And even still, there's times your body lot. Well, when we hiked in with you, your quad started locking up right before we camped on the second trip. Remember that your, uh, I think it was your quad. It never did, but I could see it twitching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, physics, because I get them in my hammy. Mm-hmm. And when my hammy locks up, what am I going to do? Talk to it? I mean, it ain't coming out. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's stuck, right? Uh, you know, and when you're back there, water's an issue. Mm-hmm. You're depleting yourself of water. You're depleting yourself of all the different electrolytes. You're going to cramp the synapses to your brain. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on a podcast. You don't make correct <laughs> decisions when you're that. Yeah. Food, de- food deprivation, sleep deprivation, none of, nothing good comes out of that. That's why I like that area so much, but it's not like I want to hunt it every year, all year long, but it is fun to go, you know, down there. Definitely tests a lot of your gear, your physical fitness and your mental, you know, stability. I've been hung up in a couple lightning storms in there. Well, but Braden had a bit of a freak out moment he was saying in the lightning back there because you know when you can stand up and have a face-to-face conversation with god the lightning's probably not too far behind it i mean it's hitting right there and so you guys went through a major lightning storm oh, we, so we were i mean when you talk about side healing and and climbing over these cliffs there was spots to where Braden took pictures i mean we were having to throw our pack up and climb up and throw our pack up and climb up and you Add rain and water to that, and then lightning, and it's like it got to the point where it seemed like it just kept coming closer and closer. And I said, "Braden, let's let's just hunker down here. Let's get in this little kind of cliff. There's a little somewhat not even a cave, right? But it was just enough of a ledge." I said, "Let's just, man, let's stop moving for one, you know, yeah. because <laughs> yeah, chill let, let's try to gain our wits about us a little bit." And and then we made a plan. But I tell you what, yeah, we we were both a little bit. Nervous. That just. I mean, it's. Yeah. He, there's. There's no control over what's going to go on up there. Yeah, and Frank's been in there a bunch too. And I mean, I. I know for me, there's a couple times we've hit weather like you did, where I is is because I'm such a weenie with the cold. I got to be cognizant of that. Where I'm looking for trees, and I'm like, there's trees there. Let's build a fire. And the one buddy I was with, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, it's only going to get worse. We need heat, and we need it now. And he's like, well, when we get down there, we'll set up a tent. And I, but your body has to be producing heat for it to get trapped in your sleeping bag. Sleeping bag is going to help. But, I, man, I went down there. That whole patch of trees was on fire. I got it going to where we were like, ooh, ah, everything's dry. Start off fresh. If you don't stay cognizant of your surroundings, of the situation, of the future, like you let your body core temperature drop, you're in trouble, right? So – but if you get warm, you stop, take a break, like you kind of assess the situation, totally different than, you know, maybe you made a couple 
different choices that day, you can get in trouble pretty quick. I mean, every year we hear goat hunters, mule deer hunters die on cliffs. I mean, that's where we hunt. So you, you got to be careful about that. Um, and I mean, Braden's he's harder than woodpecker lips. He's tough uh, physically, you know, so he can make it through. Well, just like you did anything. And I remember on the, the first, I don't know if it was the hunt or the scouting trip, scout, no, the hunt, when we hiked up to that one lake, um, I wasn't going overly fast. And uh, there's a few times I thought to mention, because you guys, I, I was going to say something to the lines of, hey, I'm I'm going for the marathon here because I don't know what we're getting into. And then I'm like, you know, I don't want to over-dramatize this. Uh, but it turned out to be a ship show the first time. Yeah. I mean, it, it just went physically, right? You just crush yourself. I mean, we did that one day 11,680 feet in a day, elevation gained and lost. Most people don't even believe that. But when you're starting at 13, you know, going down to 10, back to 12, down to 11.5, I mean, you start to put – I mean, there's a lot of – that's a lot of elevation gained and lost. Well, Frank, you got pulmonary edema. Yeah. <laughs> at yeah. different areas, same altitude. Same there. altitude, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I mean that that trip with Braden too, the, and then take that and be, we started hiking like 3, 3.30. Once Braden shot his deer, we got it broke down, got everything ready. And that storm came in. We didn't eat dinner. We didn't – I mean, so we hiked and we didn't get back till camp till midnight. Yeah. It was – it was one of those things. So when I got to the camp, I mean, I was soaked. I changed and I jumped in my sleeping bag and I was done. I, I just, there was no eating. I was t- to a point of exhaustion to where it was just, and and I woke up at like uh, three o'clock in the morning to eat because I had finally rested a little bit. Yeah. And I woke up and I ate at like three o'clock and then I went back to sleep. But it was, I tell you what, man, your mind can do funny things. And um, you, you, like you said, you add the magnitude of, um, what some of that country is. And yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that some of us sign ourselves up for that stuff regularly. Well, and you found a new area in Northwestern Colorado that you might try this year. That's worth train. And, uh, Frank and I are doing the same thing. I think we're only going to be about 45 minutes East of you. And I mean, obviously that's an unknown area to us. You haven't been up that much either. We got kind of an inside, uh, source on that. So we're going to try and hit that this year. And who knows, same thing. Uh, never hunted it. Don't know what, you know, say, who knows what adventures that'll bring. And uh, who knows? We, uh, I think you guys are going to draw that. And I think Frank and I are, if we do, it's amazing what can happen back there. Hopefully we'll have Delormies and we can message back and forth. I mean, in my case, I may shoot something in the ass with the struggle stick and track it all the way back to the truck. And it'll be a win-win. <laughs> never know. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, it, it'll be interesting. I'm glad we're, we're, we're doing a, going to a, a different, you know, area this year to kind of, it, I guess it freshens things up, but you know, when you do that for me, I'm always looking, I'll look at Google earth to look at the terrain, look at the potential weather when we get closer and what the hell we're actually getting ourselves into. And, uh, I, some, sometimes you just don't know. I mean, I would have never guessed eight inches in August, but I do know it snows. I mean, I've gotten snowed on up there. Derek's tent blew down when we were in there scouting. Um, so yeah. And that's probably one reason too. I probably cater a little bit more to uh, you know, air to the side of caution on gear and, and everything than some other people do because that'll change your way you think on uh, – it did for me. You go through that a couple times, you may throw an extra piece of kit in the backpack. You know what I mean? You may do something different to your bow. Um, you know, in your case, cut chart because yep. there's steep angles. There's always something, you know. I mean, Frank, you had – yours was steep on the, two years ago, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I've had quite a few or a couple of steep steep shots, and I, I came by the shop and Bo set me up with a cut chart, and it helped out a lot because the the rangefinder wasn't cutting enough yardage off of of what needed to be. Yeah, for that I, range. And that's where I mean, talking. I talked to Tim Gillingham again this year at ATA, and and just talking about different rangefinders again, and he's really been one of the guys uh, that I've looked. I mean, I've leaned on from a reference standpoint because he's you know from a technical side, there's there's not a lot of guys that are. Uh, at that level to be able to just practice and apply things, but he's just he's making a cut chart to that that's a a cut percentage cut based off of his what his rangefinder is cutting. So it's just a simple, it's easier math once you get to a point you're just at cutting another yard or two or three based off of distance and and you know and an angle. But um, and it's more I redneck it more. Um, if it's super, I mean this is how redneck. If it's let's say seventy six and thirty five. Probably cutting another two or three off. Yeah. Um, or I'm aiming, you know, I'm putting what it says just below the body. Right. Um, but it's not like you're ever, I mean, how often are you faced with these? Once every three years, four years? Man, so. I went to try it. So we did a seminar after the fact, right? And I went to go up on the foothills and gold and some of these places to try to get angles where I can shoot my rangefinder at different at rocks, right? I couldn't even get anything. It was 27 degrees, I think, was the steepest I can find. And... Yeah, I mean, you start thinking about a 40, 42, 45 yard or degree cut or, or you know, on, on an incline, it's it, it's hard to explain. And people, I think people have a hard time grasping um, what you're saying, but it's just, it's, uh, there's places like there out there for sure. I remember somewhere up the side of one of the grassy patches where I think we were handing around my ice axe, you were like, I don't know a lot about it a lot. I know a little about a little. And this is pretty fucking gangster, Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I started. I started calling them mountain gangsters, man. It was. Uh, it was crazy. Well, and I. I try not to get too. Twitter paid. I don't even get on forums anymore, just because I can't. I get frustrated because, like you were talking about earlier, you know, you do one thing one time. You're not an expert, right? You got to do it several times. And, and nothing against guys. I mean, I totally respect and, and help out as much as I can. Guys, uh, can guys coming from back east. You know, first time I went tree stand hunting, right? I had shit hanging off my pack. I didn't even know what I needed. I just came up and no idea, right, what I'm doing. Same thing coming out west. Well, if you went once and you went lower altitude, 9,500 feet, and, you know, used X amount of gear and it worked great, I don't know that you should be giving advice to all altitude, all area hunters because that advice may be extremely piss poor to like what you did, you and Braden did, or you and I and Braden did, um, because everything say every thousand feet you go up, shit goes downhill quicker. Um, in, in my case, I like running bivvies up up high, mostly because of the plate. You can't find a place to sleep. Right. Um, I also like the the extra heat they keep inside. That one we were running was a Rab Alpine bivvy, which those ass clowns stopped making that. Um, but. It also sucked. I mean, we were stuck under a sheep. Well, it, wasn't, it was our bright idea of bringing, well, we both brought sheep tarps, which is not a square footage under that. But like a super tarp and a bivy for me is pretty money because, one, it handles a lot of snow load, too. It keeps the heat inside. But it's not always the best. For me, the heat thing is, is huge. And trying to find a place to put it down or whatever. Um, but you go to another area that may be at the same altitude, it may not have those problems. You could be at that height and be able to run a three or four season 10. It just always, it always changes all the time. What arrow wise, we didn't really talk about this earlier and you, you goof around with shit as much as I do. You, uh, you were shooting gold tips. That's on that trip. I was, yeah, I scored a, 
I scored a bull in the shoulder. Um, might have been that same year in New Mexico. Big bull, right? Yeah. yeah. Big, I mean, gnarly, non-typical. I'll probably never see a bull like that again. A gagger or a yacker? So a gagger is you gag when you see it. It's so big. A yacker <laughs> is because you puke after you've missed it. So you get – Avery taught me that. So that was a yacker. Uh, well – I hit him, but I didn't. I didn't hit him where I needed to hit him. And a year later, my, I mean, it's in New Mexico, right? So crazy story. I'm telling my cousin about this story, and his one of his buddies at guides had he seen my broadhead, and he says, "You know, that broadhead looks pretty." You know, you've been shooting that for. I said, "Yes, yeah, shooting it for a couple of years." He says, "Hmm." So then I start telling the story about this bull the year before. Yeah, and he said that something sounded funny. So he he. Called his buddy. He said, take a picture of that broadhead you cut out of that shoulder of that bull. Sends a picture. And it's, it's the grave digger that I was shooting in the in the same shoulder, right where I told him where I hit it. And he sends me a picture of the bull. Yeah. And I wanted it. I, was, I got kicked in the nuts right there. Yeah, it was like yacker. I got kicked in the nuts when I <laughs> couldn't find the bull. And then I got kicked in the nuts when I found it. Well, he, I, I know he made it because the next very next day when we were tr- looking on the blood trail and we lost it, some hunters about two miles down the ridge saw him chasing cows. Yeah. So I, I knew that he was fine. And I shot a different bull that next day, but yeah, to, to get the kick in the nuts again because the size of that bull, yeah, it, it was so. So that's when I I went to a heavier arrow after that year. I was shooting a 425 grain arrow at that point, and this last year I went to uh, FMJ injection. I put two inserts in the front to get a little bit more point weight since the broadhead selection is kind of slim on on the hundred grains. And that arrow's just shy of 500 grains. It's it's yeah. 494, something like that, 492. That, that's what I try to pre, pre, pre 475 to 580, like depending upon your poundage. I just, I shot a mule deer a long time, 2002 or three, four, whatever, back in the, I was shooting, you know, at that time, tree bark 400, beaming tree yep. barks, 75 grain ultimate steel, cutting diameter size with peanut, like a dumb shit. And I'm blowing through everything, right, until you don't. And elevated, you know, came in an elevated position, shot at a mule deer kind of at an angle I probably shouldn't have, but totally no now would have blown through with any. It caught the scapula, stopped. Just deer took up, stood up, ran for a minute, looked back up and was like, oh, that's all you got? (laughs) And I'm like, never again. And at that point, I started loading up the weight heavy because my bow's quieter as well. And the one thing, if I, I mean, I learned a lot shooting a trad bow. Heavy arrows work, especially with a lot of point weight, because I'm shooting a whopping 180 with a just under 600 grain arrow with 300 grains up front. Um, And it's ripping through. I mean, it blew through almost everything I shot at. And I only shot, I don't know, eight, seven or eight animals, but out of those, only one of them, it didn't pass or maybe two. And so that's like trying to tell guys like, man, that, that heavier arrow, you know, that momentum's a big thing. So this year, are you going to shoot injections again? I like that arrow, man. I like that. So Easton came out with that. Uh... <laughs> he doesn't want me to shoot him. There's such a pain because the fucking tip selection, the broadhead well, selection. Well, they got a new outsert that's a titanium one, right? But except... Isaac, you're going to have to send Frank more arrows because he has all his current arrows with the old insert. So he's going to need a bunch more (laughs) for the new insert. I was telling him to shoot my 260 axis. Axis, yeah. Because I got 75 grains up front on those um, for this trip. Mm -hmm. Because we've got 400 broadheads, 125 standards. That's the only reason why I don't like it is is, that's the only downside to that. But that will fix the, the problem for sure. 
Yeah, I, so I'm I'm leaning towards that. I'm going on an audit hunt next week myself in New Mexico, and I've, I'm gonna that's the setup I'm gonna take again with a diff with a different bow, but hundred grains on the tip, and then uh, I'm gonna let it rip, man. See how it goes. Are you gonna use those outserts? Insert outserts. No, I haven't gotten any of those yet, yet, but uh, I'm I'm looking to for hunting season potentially, because I I was gonna drop another insert in the front of uh, those arrows anyway, because again I've got a seventy pound bow and an eighty pound bow that I'm gonna be looking at but that 80 pounder is going to get me the let off that i want and the holding I, the, to me it, draw cycle is draw cycle man some bows are going to draw better than others you got to get it back you know i'm i care less about the draw cycle than i care about the feel and the hold and the holding weight and the, the holding pattern at full draw so if i need to do it with an 77 or, or 80 pound bow it, it is what it is and and i want to shoot that 500 to 515 grain arrow because at at the right speed i mean it's all about the system you're you're you want to build to take it in the woods, but that's what i'm gonna I'm leaning towards that long, yeah. long answer right but gotcha and f- yeah, so Frank, I think you're probably even though I give him crap about in fact yesterday we had a mental meltdown. I'm like, Frank, have you had great success with those? He's like, yes, I have, and I'm like, well, no, I mean with the components, and it got quiet. <laughs> no, because <laughs> it's hard it's to just find a, broadheads. They're so limited on the broadheads; it's ridiculous. I found some broadheads I wanted to use, though. Was the thing? So, do you have those yet? So fuck off. See, do, do, you, do you have them? <laughs> no, what? <laughs> what are you guys leaving? Friday? No, I'm gonna shoot Axis this this week when we go to to Alabama because we have we do. He's right. We have fucking hundreds of of broadheads <laughs> at the house, so I'm gonna shoot those. But no, I, so I'm probably. We. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing that Alex said. What do you mean we? <laughs> we are not there's, using them. There's literally, well, I gave Cody Mooney like seven dozen arrows the other day to, to help out his tribe because he's got a whole alpha team. So I gave him, I don't know how many broadheads and arrows the other day that thinned out the herd, but there's still probably 20 dozen arrows at the house. And now there's going to be more because I'm shooting a trad bow, so a totally different arrow. Um, but there's... 340 axis uh, carnivores from Black Eagle, um, 260 axis FMJs, gold tip 7595s, and I mean tons of them because I just kept them. So, but for me, this what sucks is the best arrow that shoots out of that Palmer is the one arrow I don't get for fucking free. Which and one is it? Carbon Express Maxima Blue RZ. Uh-huh. It ain't cheap either. Um, and that thing flies phenomenal out of that bow and with a trad bow i'm finding it's a way more hypersensitive for me anyway than it is with a compound so for forgiveness of that arrow they just hit and so i've got three i got a 100 grain insert and 200 grain broadhead and they just they just hit well here i was hoping i was going to shoot axis um but he's got bloodlines coming so i'm going to try those bloodlines because the idea is lighter weight 300 up front so you need a stiff spine or relatively stiff spine lightweight arrow and then well, the other one is a hex right they're coming out the 280 hex also yeah and i actually don't need one that stiff like a 340 does oh, okay. it full length totally weird yeah not used to it i think my arrow's 30 i got a 30 inch draw with a trad bow so my arrow's full length i don't even cut them down so yeah it uh it's interesting we'll see how it goes frank and i are going on a chamois and tar hunt a black bear hunt potentially a stone hunt potentially a goat hunt that mule deer hunt where we're up in northwest Colorado, hopefully an elk hunt that I get a tag for. And then Phelps talked about us going hunting with him, but we'll probably go up Ryan Avery in North Idaho. Cool. So Frank's 
expanding its horizons because we're tra- Frank's going all over the place. So we'll see how tort life. We'll see if they eat tortillas in New Zealand. Do they eat tortillas in New Zealand? Hey man, you got to be the be the. the I'll be the the, the, the uh, yeah the ambassador and start up a little tortilla <laughs> business down there. You're gonna be like, what was that? What's that guy's name on the Thirteenth Warrior? Warrior. Uh, Russell Crowe? No, man, not. Why did you fuck that up? That's Gladiator, man. No, the Thirteenth Warrior. Uh, I don't watch TV. The, man. Who's the guy? Who's the dude that has the guns and it's like shooting behind his back? He's got a oh, guitar. Oh shit! Um, oh, Antonio Banderas. He's gonna be like the Thirteenth Warrior, Antonio Banderas in New Zealand. He's gonna rock it over there, and you'll be like the translator. <laughs> you'll, you're, you're gonna be the peacekeeper over there. But the, the guy we're going with, uh, I've known him forever from. But he uses our packs or whatever from the sheep show, and they just shot the world record. Oh, nice. And he's funny because I'm like, did you know it was the world record? And he's like, ah, fuck no, mate. And I'm like, he goes, the fucking thing was twice the size of the other ones, you know? So, I mean, we got down on the bloke and, you know, we fucking killed it. And I'm like, well, do you think I could do that with a stick bow? Ah, you know, one out of every five or then 20. He's like, can you shoot 20? I'm like, you know, I can shoot 40. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's come on over. And then, uh, you know, we're getting a helicopter for chamois. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we'll shoot whatever you tell us, right? What, so it'll be cool. I think we're going to hunt lower area for tar and then get flown up for, for chamois is the idea. Um, so, yeah, it'll be another one of those uh, bar scenes for me. I'll just shoot whatever I can take. Frank will shoot everything else. <laughs> <laughs> when is that trip? August, or, uh, June 4th. Yeah, June. Nice. Yeah, the bear trips with Lander. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I think we're going to uh, backpack in for this one. Um, I say backpack in, not into the high country. There's too much snow, but there's sections of railroad track. We're going to follow those down where nobody's been and then camp in there. We'll see. I need um, to work on my uh, on my sprinting skills in case we encounter a grizzly. And there's a pretty – This pretty guy can run pretty fast though, so I, I got to be faster than the guide. I can tell you right now, I'm faster than you and Gary, and Gary will probably be the guide, so you two are fucked because I, <laughs> I've sprinted with Gary. He'll he'll go down. I mean, not only that, I'm bigger. I'll kick you, and then I'll run. I'll be like, hey, I'll see a grizzly. You know the dead leg trick where I come up like you're going to tell him a secret, and then you knee him in, right in the side of the quad? Yeah. I'll do that. If you hear me see me telling a secret to Gary, <laughs> just run. Just start Frank. running. Yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. Now, I can tell you right now, Lander ain't going to – I mean, Lander could not run a slug going backwards. He's a little slow. He's got bad knees. So you don't even have to run if it's Lander. Because he's just not going to outrun anything. He's got more meat on his bones. But we might take Rambo bikes in there or uh, the motorized ones and or whatever. They're electric. Yeah. But, yeah. So, the bow you're shooting, because I shot the, I've been shooting the Prime, but I get a ton of questions. I've only shot a couple of the new Hoyts, and I've heard they're great. What Which one are you shooting now? Or you, you think you're going to shoot? The Ultra. I've got the RX, or the RX Ultra, or the, yeah, I mean, the RX series, right? Redworks. But it's a 35 axle to axle six inch brace on the carbon. Um, like I said, I just, I, I, I like the longer axle to axle. It's all about trade-offs. I, I would prefer an aluminum bow, but I'm not going to sacrifice that much weight to go to a 36 axle to axle seven inch brace height bow yeah. that the double XL is. So I'll, I'll shoot the ultra. It's shooting good so far for me. And, and like I said, I've got a, about a little less than a week or a little over a week, I should say, before I head out. So starting to get it dialed in. Yeah. It'll be a cool hunt. Yeah. No, that will be cool. And then, uh, I'd ask you what pack you're going to use, but you don't know yet because we have all kinds of new stuff coming we're going to give you. But, Frank, you're running uh, – you uh, you can shoot schwackers down there? I'm going to take some schwackers and some iron wheels. Yeah, yeah. That'll be cool. I've got cutthroats. 
totally not as cool as the compound stuff for compound shooters listening. I've got a two inch fixed blade I'm shooting out of the one bow. It looks like, you know, when, uh, Chuck Adams, the throwing the axe through an animal shit. This yeah. is truly an axe through an animal, not a mechanical. This thing's huge. You can't get six of them in a quiver. It's too fucking much. They're really? too big. Oh, it's like sticking a pocket knife sideways through your quiver six times. So I, I'm going to, what I'm probably going to do is two of those and then two of the cutthroats, or four of the cutthroats um, from, from um, Rocky Mountain and they're 200 grains. Totally different thing than what you guys are doing. But have was there anything this year that stuck out in your mind gear-wise or last year, I should say, um, that's something that's going to stay in your pack? I, I know you're pretty friendly with Maven. You get you like those quite a bit. Uh, but from optics or anything on down, clothing that you really liked? I, sp- I, I hunted eastern Colorado for, for mule deer this last year. And the, the one thing about that is because it's fairly flat, I mean, some rolling hills – yeah, your optics are big, right? Because you need to be able to see something from a long way away. You try to get close, and they're picking you off. But the thing is, is when you start hiking off the road, some of those, some of, and, and not not to just hammer on that eastern plains deal, but anywhere in particular, weight is always a huge issue. But having the capability to to do what you need, um, I'm gonna, you know, Maven's got that doubler they can put on the 15s, and so I and to sacrifice taking a spotter, I may play with that a little bit, you know, yeah, and see how that, see how I like that because not from a standpoint of just all day glassing, but from a standpoint of just giving me one more indication of yes, that's where I need to go. Maybe something like that is a lightweight option to consider. Um, so from the Maven standpoint, yeah, I, I, I love the guys over there. They've been making good products. Uh, the new, the new Hoyt uh, Ultra. Um, man, you know, some of the cool stuff technology wise, we can't use over here in Colorado, you know, and not, not that I would want to use an, a, a rangefinder site like the Garmin or the, the IQ, whatever, there's a couple of different ones, but that stuff's cool. It's intriguing to me, you know, how it applies to people's systems, but I don't, I don't think, I, you know, obviously can't use any of that, but, um, no, I, I think that for, for this year, I, I'm trying to minimize how, how much I, how many variables I change. Because yeah. the one thing with setups, as you know, is you don't want to get so uh, complacent or com- comfortable with a certain product because eventually it's it you need to be able to grow and 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 expand and evolve. So, uh, but from a from an arrow broadheads, I mean, I want to try those new iron wheels, the solid ones that they have. Yeah, right. That's that's something that's intriguing to me. I hunted with expandables all year last year. And uh, I shot those dead meats and they rattle a little bit, you know, but they killed everything I shot at them. I'd say that's the, for me, that is the most accurate broadhead I've shot. And that's fixed blade mechanic. And, and there's mechanicals that aren't very accurate, but it does rattle like a son of a, that was the only thing I didn't like about it in the quiver. Yep. It, it was quiet and flight. I didn't hear it, but in the quiver, it, it bounced a bit. Um, but I mean, I only shot a couple, I only shot one, I only got one animal with, with those, but um Man, they hit. Holy cow, they hit. They hit well. So Yeah, I shot that mule deer I shot, man. He when, he was standing broadside when I shot him, and he spun on the shot. Mm-hmm. And it went in a little bit back behind the ribs, but it, it blew out his neck. Oh, no it kidding. Went, but it was a little bit high in the vitals, so it didn't drop him real quick because it just caught one lung – just a touch of liver, one lung as it went through his cavity and the way he was turning, I didn't, he ran around down the hill. I didn't know I hit him and he stood there and when he leaned down, blood was pouring out his neck. Oh Lord. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Where did, <laughs> you know, I didn't know because on the shot, I knew that I hit him, but I didn't exactly see the impact or anything. And, uh, but long story short, once I recovered him, he was, uh, yeah, the arrow went in behind the last rib and it, it blew out his neck. So, yeah. Do you put uh wax in the 
in the blades so they don't rattle? I didn't do anything with it, honestly. No. no. I tell you, the uh, both my favorite mechanicals have gone to shit. The kill zones and the grave diggers. Yeah. We're having issues with them, and it sucks because I have recommended those to so many people, and now blades are snapping off, like hitting the target and everything else. And you said because they were color difference, right? Yours were breaking. The bluer, the, the bluer blue. steel, whatever they changed in the steel, it just it's like brittle. Dan shot his white tail in Kansas at like twenty yards, full on broadside. Blade, the broadhead came out the other side with no blades on it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and killed it, but grave diggers. The old ones I have are great. The new ones, I still have a couple packs of the originals. Yeah, one twenty five. The the grave diggers. So I've I'm keeping those for for a rainy day yeah. or for the right hunt. <laughs> oh, it's just irritating as shit. Because then you feel bad from a moral standpoint, telling so many people to buy them because they're they're bad. I hit that. This wasn't the broadhead's fault. Um, actually, I don't even think we've talked about this in the podcast with the big ginger. We stocked in. You know, it's not Snyder weather, 18 to 20 degrees, 30 mile an hour crosswind. We stock in and he saw me hit that antelope far away, right? So we get to 55 and he looks at me and I held my bow up and I'm like, we got to get closer, brother, a lot closer. And he's like, you can't hit it? And I'm like, oh, I'll hit it somewhere. I can't tell you where. I'm like, dude, I'm blowing six feet left and right. So we got closer and uh, he stood it up right when I shot it spun I thought I hit it corner and away perfect. Arrow was buried up. And I looked back and he had his film in it. And I was like, that's a little bit. It was like three inches high. And I'm like, oh, it'll die. Well, what it was is it separated the hide and the body and peeled it. I mean, I'm talking naked as a jaybird. Peeled it from the last rib all the way up. And I didn't know this at the time. I thought blood was flying out of it. It was the hide. Flapping. And, uh, oh, and he goes... Oh, he's a lot of F-bombs. You got to look at this. I'm like, I grab a binos and it looks like it got hit with a 50 cal BMG and where it buried into the shoulder because it was sliding down where it humps out, that's where it buried in. So looking at it was like a pinwheel. It was shot. Uh-huh. Wrong. Um, I got about half a broad head of penetration, fell out. So the deer's dead, right? I mean, I think it's dead because it doesn't have, it's cold. It doesn't have... 24 inches of hide. Um, and what was crazy, it peeled it off height-wise, the whole height of its body. Oh, wow. And the length. And it runs and it jumps a fence into area. In fact, I, I didn't say I got into it. With, in fact, the guy that he listens, the game warden, I think, to the podcast. My deal was, was you know, because I said something to the fact of I probably would have jumped that fence and, and got that buck if Alex wasn't there. He wouldn't let me cross. He said, well, I would have wrote you a ticket. I said, well, so you're basically saying – it's all about intent for me, right? My intention isn't to break the law. My intention is not to let an animal die and be wasted for no reason because it died 200 yards on the other side of the fence or 400. And, and uh, I said, what's that say if, I, if, it's a, if it's a coal buck and I didn't like it, it was big enough, just keep shooing that fucker till it jumps the fence and then I'm safe, you know? I'm like, I just, and there's a lot more to it than that, but I never got the deer. We couldn't cross that, that land, so it's kind of a crappy deal, but... I mean, that's one thing. I don't know if it would have happened with a fixed blade head, but, man, it peeled it naked as a jaybird up the side. And, you know, it's 38-yard shot, and uh, it kind of sucked, but it is what it is. And I finally actually got to shoot one. I didn't have to hear Alex say it wasn't big enough, <laughs> and I heard that a lot. <laughs> not big enough, buddy. Oh, I've seen some of the pictures, man. There's definitely some great deer out there. Yeah, but anyhow. Well, we should probably hang this up, even though we could talk forever. We're 50 minutes into this one, and – Looks like Frank's over there playing with his phone. I'm just kidding. What are you playing with, Frank? 
Oh, the Chewski. Frank, what is your brand, your uh, chew brand of choice? Right now it's Skull Long Cut. Skull Long Cut, fellas, for but all of you Frank fans. I will say the those guys from Triumph, James from yeah. Triumph, Triumph Chew, he sent us some, some. Uh, I guess the, it's a chew, what do you want to call it, alternative or? Yeah. It's a tobacco-less nicotine. It tastes good. It's good As stuff. The bourbon stuff is like heroin. It's yeah. good. Yeah. You're well, not a chew guy, sure. are you? Yeah. Nice. I played baseball and go all the way through college, and I, I've never, never taken a dip. Don't start. No. Well, I've, I've chewed for, man, I don't even think about it. I could have bought a Ford F450 in cash. Let's see. <laughs> so, 95, 2005, 2015. Might so. Wow. I didn't want to think about that. 23 years? Yeah. 23 yeah. years I've chewed. So, figure that out. Five bucks a day. For that many years, that's I, that's got to be forty, fifty thousand dollars. Gold teeth and spinner rims. It's going to be expensive. It's expensive to kill yourself. Jesus, that's bad. But anyhow, everybody's <laughs> got to have a method, though. I guess, right? Yeah, Frank's going to die of spam. Yeah, uh, my arteries are going to harden up. I can't. We had one podcast. He said something about it, and I said, Frank, if I wanted to eat lips and assholes, I'd just go back home. Is <laughs> <laughs> hey, that on a podcast? Yeah. yeah. You know how it is. Sometimes that you just gotta. Hey, that that spam tastes like nothing else when you're oh, up there. It's so good. Oh no! Oh good lord! <laughs> I'm gonna go eat a peanut butter bar. Well, Phil, uh, Phil, why don't you tell everybody one more time uh, where they can find you and uh, and uh, everything you're doing? NoLimitsArchery.com, AlphaBowHunting.com. Uh, Instagram is at Alpha Bow Hunting or at No Limits Archery, and uh, yeah, our coaching section is on the Alpha Bow Hunting page. We have in-house seminars and workshops on the No Limits Archery site, and you can find me two to four days a week at No Limits Archery, um, depending on when I'm there. Just trying to manage all the irons in the fire. So that's it, man. Otherwise, I'd be hanging out with you guys over here on the mountain more. <laughs> What's yeah. the plan for uh, the the bow hunting challenges? This so we got four events, man. They're um, similar to last year in format. We're going to try to dial it up a little bit more this year as far as some of the prizes that we're getting. Uh, almost all the partners are on board, and we're we're looking to pick up a few more. So we got contracts in the works. So I just it's just it's it's a it's an open book with me, man. I, I give away eighty percent of what what we take in. You know, it's it's. Uh, cash or or product, it's it's going out because that's where I just feel as a competitor for so many years I'd go, you know, not not to be conceited, but I go I'd go win a lot of tournaments and I get crap for it, you mm-hmm. know, and it's something that always was a it kind of chapped my ass. So I just said no, we're gonna we're gonna take this. I leverage a lot of what we're doing at the shop to get stuff from partners partners and sponsors and. And we're giving it back. So it's it's just a lot of fun. It's a party weekend is what it is. There's some competitive nature to it for sure. But uh, we got music playing and just people shooting the, shooting the bull. Yeah, so. no, for sure. And we did talk early. We might do, um, you know, depending on schedules, the first uh, Kafaru Dirt Clinic, which may be called the uh, Kafaru Alpha Bow Hunting or No Limits Dirt Clinic. What we may do for uh, Phil and uh, Frank and I were talking, maybe do uh, the one weekend. We'll do the seminars out at No Limits. Then, uh, you know, obviously Phil can talk about the archery side of things as well, you know, backpack hunting. And then the next weekend after that, uh, do a backpacking trip. Um, you know, into the wilderness. And, and that's something. Stay tuned for that. Phil and I and Frank will talk more about that, see if we can pull that off this year. We're going to start doing these 
uh, traveling around. But we, you know, the first one we want to do, obviously, in Colorado, one to work out some potential glitches of it. Um, uh, but also, you know, two with our schedules already being kind of made up, uh, it just works a little easier doing the first one here. And uh, and obviously, too, you'll be able to actually learn some stuff about uh, archery at the same time, not just gear and backpacking. So stay tuned for that. And we'll kind of keep you posted if that pans out. Yeah, that'd be excited to be able to bring that all together in one kind of package because it's 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 definitely pertinent to what we're all doing. For sure, for sure. Well, Phil, thanks for coming on. Frank? You can only get syphilis once. My God. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, have a great day.